You're listening to the Wellspring Podcast. I'm Caleb Williams, the worship leader and prayer room coordinator of Wellspring Community. This week's message was given by Pastor David Williams. It's about the enemy of our souls and how to see his attacks and be girded and prepared for whatever the enemy or this world throws at us. Enjoy. So the late great holiness preacher, one of the finest that I ever was privileged to hear was Dr. Dennis Kinlaw. He illustrated the significance of how we can affect the atmosphere and others around us by releasing what is inside of us. And the speaker in this illustration held a glass of water in his hand and he invited someone to come forward and to shake his arm. And when his arm was shaken, the water in the glass spilled everywhere. And the speaker asked this question, why did the water spill? And everyone responded, obviously, because his arm had been shaken. Well, he posed the question again with just a slight emphasis. Why did the water spill? Emphasizing the contents of a glass. The audience responded because water was in the glass. Kinlaw explained that what was spilled out of the glass was not determined by the shaking, but what spilled out was determined by what was in the glass. If the speaker held a glass of milk, then milk would have spilled out. If the speaker would have held, uh, would have held a glass of juice, then juice would have spilled out. So what spills from our life is never determined by the amount of shaking. What spills from our lives is determined by, is determined by what we are filled with. Difficulties like difficult people, relational setbacks, we, we all know these realities. Things that rattle us, adversity, trials, tribulations, persecutions, suffering, all things that these things merely expose what's already in us, what we're already full of, whether that's fear, anger, offense, anxiety. Interesting, the Holy Spirit was highlighting these very realities today. Already this morning, in light of His Word. I did not call Bob. I did not call Josh. I just simply asked, asked the Holy Spirit what He has, what He's saying, and the Holy Spirit was highlighting these realities to us today before I even preached this Word. It's the reason why Ken Law uh, and we preacher types are stressing in this hour that every Christian must be completely filled with and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it like this, He who believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers, rivers of living water. John 7, 38. May our desire in this hour of increasing shakings to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that whenever we're shaking, beloved, it's the fruit, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit that's being released. His sweetness and love, His kindness and long-suffering, His supernatural life manifesting naturally in and through us. We don't have to work it up. Just be comfortable in our own skin. Lord, help us. The writer of Proverbs teaches us the high value of pursuing a life of wisdom. He writes, keep your hearts with all diligence, with all vigilance. Another translation, for out of it spring the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23, what I heard the Holy Spirit speaking through you, brother, was gain a heart of wisdom. 
This life is brief. There's an urgency in the hour. I mean, look at, yeah, just, you know, yeah, I mean, all you had to do is watch a little bit of the news, and it's, it's grievous to see uh, the atrocities of violence happening rampantly in our land right now. It should break our hearts and cause us to gain a heart of wisdom in this hour like never before. The prophet reminds us that in the end times, there's going to be an increase of shakings, beloved, and unique dynamics of both darkness and light as light and darkness collide. Uh, arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you. Isaiah 60, 1 and 2. Yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens, the Lord says, and the earth, the sea, the dry land, and I will shake all nations. All nations will be shaken, and we're seeing the shakings on a, on a global scale in a way that we may have never experienced in global history. And when the shakings increase, the question the Holy Spirit is provoking us this morning is, what will be spilling out of your life and my life? May the Christ light and life be spilling out of us in this hour, beloved. The glory of the Lord be released and revealed in and through us as the Lord's beloved. Strangely, last year in December, I received this bizarre call from someone who began to tell me, almost in an intimidating and mocking voice, I felt like it was almost a taunt of the enemy that I didn't have many enemies. I just thought, well, that is just the strangest thing to say to someone. It was so bizarre because it just simply came out of nowhere, and I didn't know what to do with that. I, it, it, it was confusing. It kind of rattled me a little bit. And I was like, I just don't know what to think about that. And I just sensed, you know, maybe a red light from the Lord, a warning signal. that something wasn't right. And I find it interesting that the Lord would speak to me concerning Psalm 3 at the beginning of the new year to remind me to be confident in His leadership in this year because of the many, the many that will not only oppose us, but who will actually be in opposition to the Word of the Lord in the end times. And I believe the Lord may be highlighting this because He wants us to remain rooted and grounded in His Word, speaking and praying His Word back to Him, secure in His eternal love for us, His protection and direction, because in the end times, in the increase of darkness and wickedness and the shakings, what's in our hearts will be exposed. How we respond to the Lord's leadership in the crisis, in the conflicts, and how we carry our hearts is going to be so important. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, and because lawlessness will be increased, it will be increased, beloved, the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. I believe that's why the Lord warns us of four significant heart issues. I believe that these are heart issues that we will have to guard our hearts from in the darkest hours of human history. Fear, offense, lust, and deception. 
You can actually remember this with the acronym FOLD, F-O-L-D, Fear, Offense, Lust, and Deception. And, and I, would, I would just suggest that uh, the way to remember that is to think of yourself as the sheep in the sheepfold. In the sheepfold. The Lord wants us to guard our hearts from these pressures, these realities in the end times. And I think it's a warning uh, call. Interesting that fear was highlighted today by the Holy Spirit. And, and the feeling of insecurity about one's salvation and the need for assurance. Um, uh, look at these scriptures. Uh, men's hearts failing them from fear. I mean, literally, it, this could potentially mean that fear will provoke a heart attack. People falling in fear. I mean, fear is a paralyzing uh, reality. It says, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, with drunkenness. In that day, speaking of the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, come on you unexpectedly. Luke 21, 26 and 34. Then many will be offended. That's a huge one. Beloved, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. That is a huge one. My concern for the body, beloved, right now is that we're falling into deception. That Jesus warned us in the, uh, uh, His disciples. He said, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Why would He say something like that? Because this was the religious and the political spirit of the age. And they represented that reality. And Jesus says, your life needs to be upon me and my kingdom. Kingdom reality in the life of my kingdom. You know, the strategy of the enemy is going to get us to become offended at the Lord. At God's leadership amidst the growing crisis, the increased shakings, darkness, and wickedness. I thought I was going to be raptured out of this stuff. I just encourage you to position your heart even now to gain a heart of wisdom and to, to pursue the Lord. And to, and to really engage in these scriptures. The real physical and spiritual conflicts are going to be, yeah, it's going to be in ways that I, it's, I don't want to be over-exaggerated, but it's going to be intense, beloved. You think it's, think it's bad right now in terms of the roaring 20s that we're living in. I want to suggest to you that it's going to increase, you know, I heard it say like this, how can we, how can we, uh, yeah, how can we run with the horses if we can't keep up with the horsemen? Personal, social, political upheaval, pressures, persecutions we're going to endure leading up to the coming of Christ. You know, the enemy's so subtle in the way he twists the truth, in the way he seduces us into deception. It sounds right. The way He tempts us into falling from grace. He loves to use boredom and dullness so that we'll veg out on Netflix. That's why I believe we need to hear these words from Psalms 3 and 23 about enemies through the lens of the enemy of our souls. At the same time, we need to remember the Lord is the shepherd! 
And the overseer of our souls, Peter, 1 Peter 2, 25. He's our protector. He's our defender. Psalm 3 and 23 go together. While we may have many enemies or an enemy of our soul, we have a really good shepherd, beloved. And he's the best overseer of our souls that we could ever ask. We can trust his leadership. We can remain secure in his love. We don't have to be frantic. Oh, did you hear about what happened here? Or what's going on here? Or who's our president right now? Or oh my goodness. And you know, and what they're doing and what's going on here. And oh my goodness. Oh my. no, we can actually love people. <laughs> We don't have to be defensive. We don't have, you know. Help us, Lord. Yes, it is. Interestingly, it was on January 1 when the Lord highlighted Psalm 3 to me and, and He highlighted Psalm 23 to us as a body. It was interesting. Chuck came here and he declared Psalm 23 for 2023. I was like, what? It's like that, that, that same week the Holy Spirit confirmed that word. About Psalm 23, I'm like, whoa! Just last Friday, the Holy Spirit confirmed it uh, out of the International House of Prayer with a woman preacher will probably be hearing the message because it was so powerful. It was a right now word from the Lord. And it has to do with Psalm 23. And I believe it has to do with this verse 5. Wow. Of course, January 1 was the first day of the new year, and I believe on the first day of the new year, the Lord was also pointing to Psalm 1. So not just Psalm 3, but also Psalm 1. <laughs> the Lord's a poet. He's a farmer. He's a scientist. He's an engineer. I love his poetry. It fascinates me. Interesting, in 2019, before the Roaring Twenties, what's become known as the Roaring Twenties, the decade of the Twenties, the Lord spoke to me before we entered into this decade of the Roaring Twenties, Psalms 2 and 22. And He said, listen to Mike Bickle. I was like, whoa, what is that? Why would you want me to listen to him? <laughs> that just seems so odd to me. And to many, uh, beloved, it seemed odd to them as well. I believe Psalms 1, 2, 3, 22, and 23 are very critical psalms for us in this hour. Perhaps the Lord is highlighting these psalms for us to consider meditating day and night like Psalm 1 actually involves us, invites us to do. Meditating upon His Word, upon, His, upon the life-giving Torah of God we will gain greater clarity and understanding as we seek the Lord and pray these psalms. And I believe that we will flourish in the end times in, by a life rooted in the Word of the Lord. Look at uh, Psalms 3 and 23 for just a moment with me. If Psalms 1 and 2 emphasize the wicked and the righteous and God's enemies... Then Psalms 3 and 23 highlight our enemies. Those who may oppose us or hurt us or scheme against us or accuse us or talk about us or betray us, persecute or threaten us. 
And oftentimes this happens with the people that we trust and we love the most. And it's hard for us to navigate emotionally these realities. Remember Psalm 3 was written by King David? Most likely the historical context was the betrayal of his son Absalom. And it's actually framed that way in the psalm. Psalm 3 is an honest expression of the many enemies that are coming against David and coming against us. Oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there's no salvation for him in God. Look at this, verse 6 and verse 7. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all about. Verse 6. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Isn't that interesting that the Holy Spirit highlighted that to you, Josh, today? Verse 7. In my prayer, Moses said, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Let those who hate you flee before you. You mean people really hate God? Yes. They do. They're in opposition to His Word, and they're going to be in opposition to you. Jesus said in the, in the last days, in the end times, many you will be hated. For my name's sake. I know that's severe language. That's, that's like, I don't want to be hated. I like people. I want to be liked. Verse 5 of Psalm 23, David says, Thou hast prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Holy Spirit's already highlighted that. My study Bible says this, precisely because the enemies are always present, these prayers frequently request God to deal with the enemies. These requests often sound vengeful. They sound violent. You can see this in verse 7 of chapter 3. Break their teeth. <laughs> Psalms 10, 15. Psalms 17, 13. I mean, these are just some, uh, uh, some uh, yeah... Examples, But these are prayers of people, I want you to think about, who have been severely mistreated. So the real point of these prayers isn't personal payback, but rather a deep desire that God would set some things right for those whose lives are threatened. In short, the vengeful sounding requests for God to act are actually acts of hope, as well as prayers for justice. They prepare us to hear the Lord's prayer that has some teeth to it, beloved. Bring your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. That should be our prayer in this hour, beloved. It's the greatest prayer of the greatest apostle ever given. For those of you who are caught up in this apostolic and prophetic movement, there's your apostle. His name is Jesus. He's the greatest prophet that ever lived. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It, you know, it provokes my faith to think about what Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke, the end time prayer movement and worship movement. Day and night, 
when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Day and night, prayer and prophetic singing and worship going on. Day and night, give us justice. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That is the reality of the parable of the unjust judge. Jesus is not like the unjust judge. He's not. He will give us justice speedily, He says. Luke chapter 18. He will give us justice speedily. But will He find faith that's contending for that reality when He, when he comes? When He comes night and day. Reflecting on Psalm 3, Dr. Timothy Tennant poses this question. He offers these insights for us to consider concerning enemies this morning. He writes, as Christians, we must ask ourselves if we can rightly pray verse 7, which boldly asks God to smite our enemies on the jaw. Aren't we supposed to pray for our enemies, not against them? Should we quietly skip over verse 7, he asks, as a pre-Christian prayer that's been superseded by the coming of Christ? As Christians, we recognize, he says, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. The forces arrayed against us should not be confused with the person opposing us or persecuting us. The power of evil is the enemy, even though we recognize that Satan's diabolical rule is extended through flesh and blood. The New Testament does not ignore our earthly enemies. Rather, it calls us to recognize the deeper spiritual conflict that is arrayed against us. And we pray this prayer through the lens of that deeper spiritual conflict. We must never forget that we are engaged in a spiritual conflict that is cosmic in scale. Behind every human enemy who embodies opposition to God's rule, behind every terminal illness or debilitating depression, stands the enemy of our souls. Wow! Let me say that again. Behind every human enemy who embodies opposition to God's rule, behind every terminal illness or debilitating depression, stands the enemy of our souls. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to invite Caleb to come. Just give you an opportunity to respond today. I really sense a stirring in my spirit. We can earnestly pray that God intervene on our behalf against those forces arrayed against us. To ask God to strike against the jaw is a way of asking God to bring an end to all opposition to His rule. My study Bible actually uh, suggests that te to break teeth literally means to render powerlessness. To, re to render powerless. We should never forget that this is a prayer to God. It's directed to God for His divine action and His final vindication. In other words, the, the Psalms are not giving us permission to go out and buy an AK-47. Take matters into our hands, in other words. They're talking to God. They're, they're giving us permission to verbalize the reality of what's happening around us to God and be honest to God about these realities. 
We pray for our enemies even as we ask God to put an end to all the schemes of wickedness which are expressions of the great spiritual conflict. Sometimes praying against our enemies is in a deeper sense, he says, the greatest expression of praying for our enemies. Since turning our enemies from opposition to God to submission to His rule is a great gift and even a greater mercy. I just want to conclude with these thoughts from Paul's letter to the Ephesians chapter 6. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might, beloved. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Behind every human enemy who embodies opposition to God's rule, behind every terminal illness or debilitating depression, stands the enemy of our souls. Heavenly Father, we come to You in the name of Jesus today.